welcome to episode seven of the Hockey Pod, the International Hockey Federation's monthly podcast uh, for people who absolutely love the game. Um, and today we've got a we've got a slightly Irish theme going on today because our two guests, um, Anna O'Flanagan, uh, two hundred seven caps for Ireland, been a stalwart of the team for uh, well uh, nearly a decade, um, and notably was a silver medalist at the twenty eighteen World Cup. And we've also got um, the head coach of the Black Sticks, but the man who was in charge of the Irish team at the twenty eighteen World Cup, Graham Shaw, um, former Irish international, and as I say, now head coach to the Black Sticks. So welcome to you both. Hello, Anna, and hello, Graham. Hey, Sarah. Thank you very much for having us. Absolute pleasure. And of course, co-host Rich Stainthorpe. How are you, Rich? Yeah, fine. Thank you, Sarah. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. I think um, when we talk about Irish themes, you also have Irish roots, don't you? <laughs> I do. Yeah, my, gran- my, my um, grandparents are from Cork. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do. I, I do. Although, um, yeah, my, my dad really plays up to his Irish roots. He loves it. Uh, let's kick straight off into the into the news, please, Rich. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to, um, me and Anna are going to talk about a few bits and pieces, but the, one of the biggest stories that's come out in the last few weeks is the news about the European uh, Hockey Championships in Amsterdam, where they're, uh, they're going to be selling tickets, Anna, which is really great news. The, uh, the Royal Dutch Hockey Association and the European Hockey Federation, they've managed to draw up plans to accommodate around 2,700 spectators a day, which, um, which okay, it's well below what the, the Wagner Stadium in Amstelveen can hold, but it's still terrific news. I bet you can't wait to be back in front of the fans again. Yeah, absolutely. The Europeans is such an incredible tournament and I think the Dutch always put on such a good show. So, yeah, to see that they're actually selling tickets then and there could be some spectators there is is pretty hard to imagine given the lives we're all living right now. But yeah, it's incredible. And yeah, I'm very excited to get going. All our parents are hoping that they might see some hockey this summer, but uh, I don't know if they'll get over, but they're pretty chuffed. Well, yeah, but it's it's a step in the right direction, isn't it? About a step back towards normality, and um, I mean, obviously, that's that's going to be the, the first of two major tournaments that you guys are playing playing this year with with, um, with Ireland. And um, I think we talked about it in a recent conversation between me, yourself and I uh, about this double peak that the Irish team are going to have to go through. So peaking in time for the Euros, and then having to peak again um, a few weeks later for, for the Olympics. I mean, um, how are you guys preparing for all that? Yeah, that's certainly a challenge, and I think Graham will remember. Uh, 2017 we had a similar situation where we had a, a World Cup qualifier in Joburg and then had a Europeans um, a couple of weeks later and, and it's definitely a big challenge so we're trying to take you know the lessons that we learned from that from that summer and try to bring them into this summer and I think yeah it's it's difficult as well with the heat in Tokyo and, and we're not getting much heat in Ireland I think it's about 10 degrees today so uh, yeah that's certainly a challenge but but look, we just have to do what we can. And, and we've been so long without international hockey that we're not going to complain about now having to double peak. You know, we're just going to get on with it and do what we can in the circumstances. And well, going back to that uh, European competition, if, if uh, any, anyone is listening, uh, probably within the Netherlands area who's looking for tickets, go to the uh, eurohockey.org and you can find out all the information about uh, how to purchase tickets. Um, and uh, that'll wrap up the first part of the news, Sarah. Cool. Um, do we have a, a, a question now for our listeners? When was the last time New Zealand and Ireland played? And that was in an internationally recognised competition. But uh, and, and also, there's there's a bonus point there as well. I say a point because people don't really get points. But um, if anyone can also tell us what the score was in that game, that would be uh, that would be great as well. Okay, listening to uh, listening to you talk about uh, hockey going on in Europe, I'm, I'm we're going to talk to Graham now. But uh, Graham, you must be so envious when you hear about uh, matches going on and teams actually managing to get some international competition. 
Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's it's pretty cool that the that Holland are going to get the, an opportunity to host that event. And as Anna says, the Europeans is just an outstanding tournament to play and a very competitive tournament as well. So um, yeah, very jealous. Um, yeah, it's a bit challenging for for us at the moment. Um, you know, we haven't been haven't played a game since uh, the end of February or first of March. I think it was last year where we played Argentina at, uh, down here in the Pro League. So we've um, yeah had a 16, 17 months now without a game. And that's uh, very challenging considering when you're watching a lot of other nations playing around the world and preparing, you know, in obviously very different, difficult circumstances, but at least they're getting to play a few games and test what they're training on a week to week basis. So, um, yeah, that's what we're certainly craving right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, how have you managed to maintain any form of momentum with the national team? I mean, it, you were talking to me before the show about the fact that there, there was a, a natural break, but then that natural break has just been extended and extended. So maintaining momentum must be so difficult for you. Yeah, it's a, it's been a real challenge. I mean, we, we woke up in March last year um, where we went into the lockdown like everyone else in the world uh, for that period of time. We came out of that lockdown around um, the end of May, June. But uh, the national program didn't didn't get back together till till January this year. So we've had a kind of a nine months apart as a as a team. Uh, we have been training within performance networks that we've set up around the country, but not based in around the performance network. Has been able to train kind of in small bubbles. Mm. But um, yeah, to kind of get together as a team and, and train together week in week out has been a real challenge, and and that really only started again in January. Uh, we have had a few tournaments where we've introduced this year. So we introduced the Premier Hockey League, um, which was put together four different regions of New Zealand. And we played that at, at the end of November, December, where we selected the squad effectively for the 2021 campaign. And then just recently, we we introduced or uh, reintroduced the, the North versus South, which was um, hadn't been played in many years. So that was a real opportunity again for, for our athletes to... Yeah, I suppose test themselves, um, you know, where they're sitting right now and put themselves under a little bit of pressure where, where it was TV involved and we were based together in a camp for the first time in, as I said, 15 months. So um, that was a fantastic opportunity for the for the players to play in that recently. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that sort of um, come out of this entire thing is, is just how much coaches and, and players have needed to use new new methods of staying in, in touch with each other. And obviously, Zoom is, is one of those things. Um, but for you, you're a relatively new coach coming into the squad as well, weren't you? So it must be very, you know, with the best will in the world, a Zoom conversation or just talking to a few people in bubbles isn't the same as having that team interaction. So um, that, that, how, how have you sort of continued to build relationships with the players, even though you're not seeing them and not talking to them? Yeah, I mean, that's been a, a real challenge as well. I mean, I took over the role and we started in, in May uh, 2019. Uh, we had a three, three and a half month run together where we qualified then for, for um, Tokyo in the beginning of September that year. But then the program broke for a, a two month period where we then came back together and, and, and trained again for about an eight week period before we went into those pro league games in, in February 2019. So I mean, you're trying to get to know the squad and, you know, obviously coming from the team that I ha had coached in Ireland before, I, I knew that that group of players for some of them since they were kids mm. um, and, and and some of them, you know, I've obviously been coaching, been involved with them for, for five, six years. So, um, and you spend a hell of a lot of time together. Well, you know, this was a different challenge and you're trying to get to know people online or you're trying to get to know people over the phone. Um, or, or using the opportunity, uh, the players that are living quite near you to try catch up with them. So it's been a real challenge um, and, and, and difficult to kind of build an environment that, that we can um, 
set ourselves set ourselves up nicely for for Tokyo. But we've worked really really hard on that since returning in January, and mm. um, we're we're based here in in, in Auckland now training together. Uh, we train together uh, four to five times a week, four to five sessions a week. So um, I've definitely been probably taking them out for coffees and and, <laughs> and keeping them away from their from their day jobs on a, on a daily basis just to try to build those relationships, get to know each other more as as people and and not just as, as a coach versus athlete kind of thing. So um, we're working hard on it, but yeah, it's certainly been a challenge. Yeah, they're getting to know you now. Um, Anna, how has it been for you sort of, you know, maintaining um, a sense of cohesion with your teammates and your and your coach throughout the period? I know you, you've sort of been luckier than New Zealand in that you have been able to get together a bit more, but it's still been tricky, right? Yeah, definitely. So we had a similar break in March last year. We were due to go to South Africa and, and at the last minute then that trip was called off and we went into lockdown and there was a break there. And I think we broke then until maybe the end of July or August, but then we were able to get back training together. Obviously, the rules around it were, were very strict and it wasn't what we were used to, but uh, we've been lucky that we've been training together since July of last year. So, yeah, the cohesion thing is definitely difficult and we don't have the same opportunities to to go for coffee, you know, think coffee places are still pretty close here. So, uh, you know, we're actually not really able to do a whole lot as a squad together, but we've been lucky to travel um, a few times this year, had a couple of camps together where, you know, we test and we have certain bubbles. So, so that's been, you know, really great in, in getting that group dynamic back together and, and getting us focused for this year. Going back to Graham, um, you obviously um, moved to New Zealand, which is the, as we know, the other side of the world from Ireland. Um, it must have also been tricky from a personal point of view to, um, you know, immerse yourself into into a culture when the when the country was in a form of lockdown. But there's also been positives because I'm guessing you spent more time with your family. So can you just talk a little bit about personally how how you know how you've been in the last few months? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean the, the the big thing, obviously, when you when you do this role, and the same as a, as an athlete, uh, when you're working in a high performance environment, it requires you to travel a lot, and you're away, and your family have to make a, a lot of sacrifices, and particularly my wife, and um, so getting the opportunity to spend a lot of time with them, um, I think my two kids have actually forgotten what what I actually do because <laughs> I've been around so much over the last uh, the last period of time. So yeah, that was just amazing, and probably. Yeah, a bit of a home bird maybe uh, at times and you know obviously um i'd spent so much time with with one squad it takes a bit of time to settle and so when we got that opportunity just to spend a lot of time as the family and kind of just explore our, our area where we're living and um, and do many different things you know we live really right beside the beach um you know again where i'm from in, in dublin is not near a beach and it's a very different lifestyle and living in kind of a, a beach town and we do a lot of uh, kayaking and paddleboarding and, and and things like that. So it's just been a very very different lifestyle. So getting that opportunity just to spend that quality time together, explore kind of what's around our local area and and do things that are that we probably just had never done as a family has been, yeah, been a real yeah. benefit. Uh, through that's, that's that's been the bonus. Um, and the other thing, of course, is um, domestic hockey. As you said um, earlier, you know there, there've been events going on. There's been there's been sort of you know North versus South and the and the Premier League. Um, there's there's probably got to be a point where your players are fed up with playing each other. But at the same time, those domestic hockey leagues must have been so vitally important for for all the players. Yeah, usually. I mean, they're, they're, you're 
you're you're spot on when you say they're fed up playing each other. I think uh, <laughs> I think you'll probably find you talk to most international teams at the moment is uh, they're fed up beating each other around the field and and trying to be as competitive as they possibly can because there's nothing quite like just putting on the jersey and 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 the build up coming into games and, and the nerves and the TV and 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 that preparation that you put into it from from the minute you get out of bed that's all you're thinking about and that's been a real challenge. So um, yeah, get an opportunity to play in the in the Premier Hockey League where we had four four teams we basically divided the the country up into four regions as i said and then created four very competitive sides and then just can condense that really with north versus south so effectively combined um two sides each and played those north versus south mm. yeah they, they they were just fantastic uh, just to get those games under our belts but it's again you're not you're not putting your best playing with your best sometimes they're competing against you during a day-to-day basis and that can be a bit of a challenge when you want to build those connections and combinations and, and get a real clear understanding of each other yeah. when they're when they're competing against each other all the time. It's just yeah, a bit of a challenge to <laughs> to get that kind of continuity in their play, I suppose. Um, obviously, in New Zealand, you, you've got um, there's, there's a very uh, established kind of player pathway, but just changing things around a little bit. Did, were there any players that kind of that came through that, that, that you noticed in a slightly different way through the North versus South games? Um, that's a good question. No, I wouldn't say anyone really came out of the out of the blue, really, and, and we kind of ended up picking them out of nowhere. Um, I think we the players that we we ended up selecting, we we had our eyes on. Or hockey New Zealand have had their eyes on for quite a long time, and um, some players that maybe had missed out in the past, and even some players that that initially, when I came in in 2019, didn't uh, retain their contract in 2020. They then got an opportunity again to to put their hand up for 2021. Um, so it was just a real opportunity, I suppose. Um, you know, to come out of their club or their local area, you know, where they're playing, and and they're the most dominant player to then put themselves up against the best players. After such a long break, was the uh, was the key part of it, and yeah, it was a fantastic selection opportunity, and uh, and and really good for us as as coaches to be able to get our eyes on them and just see how they how they deal with the environment, how they deal with pressure, and and um, yeah, and how they perform. So it was uh, yeah, very beneficial. The next few weeks, we're, we've got less than hundred days now before Tokyo. What what's the sort of schedule look like for the Black Sticks for the for the next few weeks as you as you get ready? <laughs> the million dollar question that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I can't even tell you what we're doing in two weeks' time. No mind what we're going to be doing in 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 six weeks' time. Um, our program at the moment will work off of three different programs, and we need to be able to to move between all three of them um, at any time. So what we have is um, we have a domestic uh, program, so that if everything stays the way it is, and we cannot travel, we we just have to plan and and prepare here in New Zealand, and. Um, Without any international games, which means that obviously we're going to arrive in the in, in Tokyo games, not having played a game in, in 17, 18 months, which is not ideal. Um, the other program we operate off is is the Australian bubble. So just getting an opportunity to play games between ourselves and Australia, um, and hopefully getting some good news about that now in the in the in the coming weeks. Um, so that's obviously one one big option. And then the other option is really then just what our preparation looks like going into Tokyo because. You know, there's um, obviously the host cities and, and just what that looks like given around the playbooks being released from, from Japan and, you know, where we can travel, where we can travel. And, um, you know, our host city is quite far away from, from Tokyo. So uh, it will require us to fly there and what that looks like, I don't know. So it's just a lot of unknowns really for ourselves. But 
what we have to do is just try to take care of our house and make sure we're training hard and mm. we're trying to build a, a performance environment that um, that will be strong enough to to withstand anything we, we come up against in Tokyo. So um, that's really where our focus is. But yeah, we're, we're hoping that in particular we can get games against Australia and just be able to cross that, uh, work between that bubble and, and, and get a few international mm. games in because that's... That's why uh, everyone trains so hard, right, to, to put on that jersey and represent your country. So that's what yeah. we're looking forward to. Exactly. Um, Anna, just just as a player, I mean, this huge level of uncertainty that's that's happening, you know, it's, it's all around us and has been for several months now. How unsettling is that as a, as a player? And, and what do you look for from your coaching team to sort of help settle the nerves in that respect? Yeah, it's so difficult. I think, you know, as a player, you just... Every day of your life is planned for you and you know what you're doing 12 months, you know, out every year. And and this year, you know, as Graham says, you don't know what you're doing in two weeks or the plan that you have in two weeks could be totally different. And and that is so unsettling and that level of uncertainty is difficult. It's a real challenge. And, you know, I think it's taught us all <laughs> that we need to adapt quickly and, you know, we can't just dwell on things that have happened. You just have to move on. And, I think for, for me, it's just controlling what I can every day. You know, I can't control what happens outside uh, with COVID, but I can control how I train and, and what I put into it. And and I think, you know, from a coach's point of view, I, I totally understand how difficult it is. And it doesn't mean we're not, you know, pushing our coaches for as much information as physically possible and, and want more and more all the time. And, and they're not really able to give it to us. And, and I get that completely, but... Um, just when you're trying to plan your life, it, it is difficult. But but look, we just have to control every day and, and see how things go and, and hope for the best in, in that regard. And do, do you think it's made you different as a player? Do you think this, this sort of, you know, having to dip, dip into new levels of resilience and, and change your plans and be adaptable? Do you think that's, that's um, yeah, made you different, made you better even as a player? Yeah, I think it's it's made me value the game a little bit more. I always thought I did, but it gives you that extra sense of, you know, when you actually do get to go and put on the jersey and play, you're like, God, when's the last time I did this? You know, is this the last time I do this? You know, so that's always kind of in your head. Whereas before it was just, you didn't go through the motions, but you know, it was like every couple of weeks you were traveling somewhere, playing somewhere, there was always a plan. You knew there was always something coming up, but, but really treasuring the moment when you do get to play is something that I've really gotten from, from this whole thing. And, and yeah, hopefully that's added added another string to my bow and, and maybe made me a bit more resilient. Mm, absolutely. What about you, Graham? Same thing to you, really. You know, has it made you a, a different coach? Has it made you a more resilient coach? Well, it's a pretty difficult question to to answer when you haven't coached in a game in such a long period of time. And, um, you know, because ultimately, you know, you can create as many training sessions and, and, and have your your style of play you want to implement and you encourage your players to play and you try to create an environment that is player driven and um but when you're unable to do a lot of these diff things it's quite difficult to really challenge exactly whether you're a better coach or not I, I, I certainly would not be able to answer that question I suppose time will tell um I've definitely learned a lot as a as a coach over the last two years uh, two and a half years and and learned a few lessons and and um, and I've definitely grown as a as a person in certain areas, but um, you know whether I'm a I'm a better coach, I suppose time will time will tell. What's been the biggest learning point that you've uh, you, you've sort of gathered in the last year or so? Would you say? Um, probably in around um, just building those, um, just how important those relationships are 
um both with your with your management and with your players and and really probably getting to see players in a slightly different way sometimes you know as a, as a coach you know you're you're always pushing and you're always trying to drive and, and 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 make people better well you think you are there are things that i've probably reflected on a lot over the last two years you know we're all going through very different challenges in our in our lives right now and um and sometimes to be able to take a step back and actually talk to them as as human beings and and that always uh, as a as a hockey coach is something that um that you think you've done quite well in the past but i think you know you'll always reflect and think you can do it better in the future so yeah, absolutely. Um, just just moving forward to the um, to, to the games themselves. You're, you're obviously going to be in a pool that contains Argentina, Spain, um, the home uh, the host nation, Japan, China, and and of course your uh, your your near neighbours and and loved neighbours, Australia. Um, what where do you think the most challenging situations are going to come from? Is, is it going to be the the fact you haven't played for a while? Is it going to be the fact that you're facing um, maybe some nations that that you haven't played their style of play for a while? Or you know what was where's the challenge coming from for you? Well, I think it's probably a combination of of a lot of many different things. Um, you know, you, there's a natural, as you, as you've mentioned, not having played a game in, in in such a long long time, it's difficult to to see exactly how you're tracking and and how well you're training and and how strong your environment is. I think that's always going to be a concern and worry uh, with the preparation that we're having. I think um, the unknown of what what even the next two months looks like and before you even get there is. Um, is always going to be a concern so you know are we are we going to be asked to come straight into the village um off a long flight and then and then try play games or or what exactly that's going to look like is always going to be a challenge our plan is to go to our host city okayama and that's still the plan and um so just the uncertainty of what that looks like is always going to be a concern um as you mentioned, there's very little coverage on some of the nations that you mentioned. So, you know, China, we saw them play in, in 220, I think, versus Holland. And and that's the last time we saw it. We saw them play against Belgium in, in a qualifier. And, and they're really the, the games that we have of, of note from them. Uh, Japan is, the, you know, very limited coverage again on, on Japan and, and, and what they've been doing. And, you know, two, two teams that can be very, very dangerous on their day. Um, Spain, obviously... Um, Hearing the news about about Holland and the fact that they're playing the Euros, hopefully you get an opportunity to have a look at them. But you know they've got a really good, experienced coaching staff and 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 teams have been together for quite a long time. And again, what type of squad will they approach the Europeans with versus versus Tokyo Games? I suppose that remains to be seen. And then obviously um, Argentina and Australia, they're two teams that, that we have played uh, recently and we do know quite well. There's been a lot of changes in Australia, and um, again. You know, we hopefully get a look at them in, in the in the bubble in the next few months, and then Argentina obviously is the most recent game we've played. But again, it was a you know maybe not necessarily their full side, and again a very experienced coach down there that um that you just don't know what they're going to turn with in Tokyo with. So I think you're looking at five very different challenges, five different very different styles of play, and uh, and as I said earlier on, the, our main focus is obviously we'll do our homework and try to learn as much as as we possibly can, but it's very much on what what we can control is, as Anna's already pointed out in their preparation is what we can control and and what we can control is preparing ourselves as well as we possibly can both physically tactically mentally and and, and get ready for Tokyo and, and that's really where our focus is you know there are going to be teams who are going to be very concerned about what New Zealand have been doing behind the scenes as well because they won't have seen you for such a long time so uh, in some ways that's an advantage right yeah that's the plan that's the plan <laughs> is um you know to turn up a little bit uh, and surprise a few teams and you know, I think people are very aware, obviously, the uh, the strengths that we have on our side, and 
we got some some serious young players coming through as well that it's um you know a pleasure to work with on a day-to-day basis and yeah hopefully we can turn up and and, and people are not exactly ready for us and even though i think they will be <laughs> i think everyone will be ready for everyone and i think um that's what we have to expect yeah i think I, well whatever happens it's going to be a really exciting event and uh, you know i wish you all the best in in all your preparations up to and including uh, being in being in tokyo at the olympics and uh, I'm going to hand back to Rich now. So, yes, uh, the uh, International Olympic Committee's um, Believe in Sport campaign, um, which it seeks to kind of raise awareness around the integrity of sporting competition. This is something that's quite, kind of, uh, it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, the idea is that it's, it's designed to stamp out match manipulation and cheating, um, which is associated with gambling activities. Um, thankfully, hockey has a very good reputation um, in this, but it's important that it remains that way. Um, I know, Sarah, you recently interviewed um, uh, Roger Hoffman, who's the chair of the Athletes Committee and uh, uh, obviously a, a former Dutch international, and also uh, Jackie Mwangi of Kenya, uh, another international. Um, you, you spoke to those guys about the importance of, 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 of this particular area. So I was going to ask Anna about um, about how important it is for athletes to be aware of the potential issues regarding kind of sports betting and, and, and integrity. Yeah, I think, you know, we always need to do what we can to keep everything as fair as possible and, you know, avoid any sort of situations where things can get a bit messy. I think, you know, playing for Ireland we just always want to win games so the thought for me that people are manipulating games is a bit mad but uh you know we just go out every day to try and win which is sometimes even to our detriment so uh yeah I think for for you know the players themselves it's probably not a massive you know concern in our heads but we're aware that the whole thing needs to be kept you know in 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 people's minds as such and, and to keep things as fair as possible can I just dive? Sorry, Rich. I was just going to dive in there and say it's a point that Roger Hoffman brought up. Actually, that very point. It's it's you know um, sometimes teams almost need to lose a match to get a, a weaker opposition in the next or a perceived weaker opposition. But there's no way that any player can actually step on that pitch and uh, in in my mind and not be hugely competitive and and just want to win. It's just not in the DNA, is it? Yeah, oh, I don't think so. To be honest, I can't imagine really stepping out onto a pitch and and not wanting to win or not wanting to to put our best performance out there you know there there obviously have been examples of that in the past and that's why you know news like this does come out and and initiatives like this are introduced but but as I said you know that Irish DNA certainly with the competitiveness we have uh, I'm not sure it's a it's a big thing in our country but you know it, it is something to keep in mind and, and especially with with tournaments, you know, the the way formats go where everyone gets quarterfinal and maybe, you know, where you come in the pool hasn't mattered in the past. So yeah, it, it's it's important to keep to keep things in people's heads and and to have initiatives in place to to combat things if necessary. Um yeah, Graham, I was gonna try and bring you on in on this. Um did, did you have any thoughts on it from a, obviously a New Zealand and an Irish perspective? No, I mean I mean I agree with Anna. It's it's I always find it quite fascinating when we talk about um sport around match fixing and so on and particularly the the competitive nature of the all the athletes that I've ever had the pleasure of working with and both playing and and, and coaching is you know, people want to go out and, and win hockey games and, and that's what they're they train every single day for. But um as I think it's important that it's highlighted. It has happened um various different situations uh, with various different sports over many years and um you know it's not not a good thing for our sport and particularly not a good thing to to encourage young people to come into our sports and, and, and many other sports. So it's 
it's important that it's highlighted. It's important it's spoken about. But um, uh, yeah, luckily for us, I don't think, I don't think it's uh, the case in our sports, and and I hope it's not for for years to come. Well, um, in terms of uh, other news, um, obviously May is, uh, is is quite a busy month in terms of pro league. I mean, a lot there's been a lot of cancellations, but. Uh, but uh, there is still some hockey pro league matches that are going to take place this month. A lot of the teams are kind of building up towards the Euros. I was going to ask Anna, do, do you think that those um, teams that are lucky enough to play the pro league are, are going to have a little bit of an advantage going into the Euros if they've had those those mat- that match practice? Yeah, I think, you know, games are so few and far between now that any team that gets a few games in is going to have a slight edge. But, you know, as you said, we've been lucky to play a few games ourselves and, and we're still playing inter-squad games every week as well. So, you know, we'll just prepare as best we can. And, and I think, if anything, this period has has evened out playing field a lot and you, you won't really know what results are going to come over the next few months. So I think it's going to make things very exciting and, and an odd game here or there might make a whole lot of difference really going into those major tournaments. So, yeah, and as well with the Europeans, so close to an Olympics, you don't know, as Graham's kind of said, what teams... Are going to show up and, and what teams they're going to bring in advance of an Olympics. So yeah, it will be very interesting. But I don't think there'll be much of a competitive edge from teams that have played a couple of games. Um. So Anna, everyone knows about kind of what you and Graham achieved with the Green Army. The, the, you know that incredible silver medal at, at the twenty eighteen World Cup in London. I mean, it was fairy tale stuff. But but your journey with the team obviously started a lot earlier than that. I mean, you know, you, you started playing hockey when you were ten years old, and you, you know you broke into the into the team in two thousand and ten. I mean, can you tell us about that period of, of when you first started getting a bug for the for the sport of hockey, and and um, obviously that progression through to eventually breaking into the Irish team? Yeah, I think. Um... I played a lot of different sports growing up, just, you know, around outside my house, you know, with neighbours, whatever. And and I think, yeah, my first real exposure to, to hockey was actually playing with um, some of the boys in, in my class. I was taken down by one of their parents to, to a boys hockey club and, and I played on, on that team for for a couple of years. And I think that really um, had a big impact on, on how I play the game and, and uh, you know, really really gave me a love for it at first and and then when I went into to secondary school and I obviously then started playing more with them um, with the women's club and, and I joined Hermes then which was a really great club in Ireland at the time and with a lot of ex-internationals on the team and and I think you know they were so inspiring and they really pushed me to to get better and but they believed in me at the same time so it was a really nice environment where it was extremely competitive and they continuously pushed me to get better but but then they also, you know, gave me the confidence that that I could do something further down the line. So, so that was a really great environment to be in. And, and from there, then I played on some underage setups. And, and then in 2010, I would have, I got my first cap in July 2010 against Scotland. Uh, in Scotland, I think, like most Irish people, your first cap is usually against Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and grounds yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that was, you know, obviously I remember the day so, so well. Um, myself and Chloe Watkins and another one of our friends who doesn't play anymore, Annie Batcher, the three of us got our cap on the, on the same day. And and I, I played maybe about five minutes, didn't play a whole lot, definitely ran up and down, not touching the ball. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really memorable experience, and and to still be playing with with some of those girls today is really special. How many of those girls that uh, that were there on your debut were still part of the team when it came to twenty eighteen? Uh, so well, Chloe Watkins was there that day, and um, Megan Fraser, 
Nikki Daly, Lizzie Calvin, Shirley McKay, Nikki Evans. God, I hope I haven't left anyone out, but oh, you'd be in trouble. I know I'll be in such trouble. <laughs> but I think I think I've got it all there. But yeah, so there's definitely a core group there of six or seven players that were there back in 2010 and, and then a few more added along the way that we would have brought along on the journey. And well, it, it was quite a journey. I, I mean, you, you had a, a fair amount of um, ups and downs along that route towards um, towards uh, 2018. I mean, I'd just like to touch on on the Valencia 2015 Olympic um, qualifier where, where you guys came came so close and just kind of slipped through your fingers. And, and I, I don't mean to bring up something which is obviously quite a painful memory, but <laughs> I just wondered I just wondered what learnings kind of came out of that. I mean, galvanise you, uh, you girls as a group in terms of wanting to push on and and take yourself to the next level and ensure that you know, success would follow? Yeah, I think, you know, you always have to go through those tough times as players or athletes or even in in life in general, you know, it's those times that you kind of learn the most about yourself and and about your teammates. And and I think what was special about about that loss was that we actually kept the whole group together after that loss. You know, we didn't, we lost a couple of players, but we didn't lose a whole bunch of players. and, And that really, you know, kept us together because the group really believed that there was something special coming down the line. Uh, we probably didn't quite know how special it would be, but um, keeping, you know, so many players involved and, and having that drive and being able to learn from that failure is is something that we've always, you know, played on as we've gone forward. And I think for me, you know, going into that 2015 qualifier, we we didn't think for a second that we weren't going to qualify and we were extremely, you know, passionate and confident about qualifying for the Rio Olympics as, as a playing group. And I And I think that that... That's something we learned from going forward into into the qualifier in 2019 was that, you know, you have to prepare for the if, buts and maybes and, and not just put everything into one basket. And it, you know, it can take the pressure off a little bit if, if you know, you've at least prepared mentally for things not to go your way as well, which which we hadn't exactly done for in 2015, which meant the crash afterwards is, is quite big and then you have to build yourself up. So I think it's it's about in, in international sport, you know, managing those roller coasters and, and trying to manage your emotions and stay as level as possible. But it's not always easy. Well, no, I understand. I, I was just going to bring in Graham on, on that point. Uh, I was assistant coach from two thirteen till two fifteen, so um, I would have been assistant coach to Darren Smith during that period. And so I've uh, experienced and shared that um, that real hurt, um, not not missing out on that in that Rio Olympic game. So um, yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty dark time, I think, for all of us uh, during that period, as Anna's already mentioned. What um, what measures were taken to kind of rebuild the group? I mean, clearly they've proven that, that the talent was there. And I mean, but you, you'd have to you'd have to have rebuilt the the kind of mentality, I guess, to to push them on. And, and obviously it did come. So what kind of what kind of measures were taken? Um, oh, I remember it pretty clearly, actually. So I remember um, the following. We, we actually had a European B. It's incredible, actually, when you even think about it. We did an incredible uh, European B competition three weeks after missing out on that Rio um, Olympic Games. Uh, so we had to go to the Czech Republic and get ourselves back into into A division. Um, so post that, we we had a few training sessions at the end of the year in, in 2015, but we came together in 2016. We actually returned to Valencia. So we made a decision as a, well, I'm going to say as a staff, there was only two of us left at that stage. There was only two of us made that decision. So um, myself and, and Arlene Boyles, at the time, I made a decision to go back to Valencia, exactly where we had uh, had missed out, and um, and I remember we we hadn't debriefed that 
that final game against China. Um, we hadn't gone near that game or, or talked about that game uh, from a video point of view or, or taken any learnings from it. So it was one of the first things we did down in Valencia was re watch the uh, the shootout, re-watched the penalty corners and, and talked about it. There was a lot of emotion in the room. Um, I remember it really, really clearly. And it was a really difficult thing to do, but I think it was very important for us to to try to take as much learning from it as possible. So we found ourselves in that situation again, uh, what we were going to do and how we were going to approach it. And um, and we certainly took a lot of learnings from it. And from then, just confidence was was growing. And like I know a lot of people are really surprised about the World Cup. And of course, as Anna's already alluded to, like of course we're shocked to make a World Cup final, but but we weren't surprised that we got out of the pool the, the way we did, and and we genuinely once we hit the quarterfinal, I, I firmly believed, and I think the team believed this team was going to go all the way or have a real crack at going all the way to the final. It's just the way it all kind of fell. We ended up playing two sides that um, we knew quite well, um, and as I said, when we commenced. About 2016, we'd actually played a few teams going into Rio and beat them uh, down here, actually in New Zealand. Funny enough, down in, in Hawks Bay, down in New Zealand, which was a real start. To, I think, and I might agree, is a real start of um, of that rebuild where we, you know, actually were able to look at each other in the eye and, and firmly believe we can we can mix it with the best in the world here. And it's just it just wasn't our time in Rio, and 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 we'll get our time again. And you know, we weren't obviously expecting it maybe to happen two years later, but there was definitely a sense of yeah, we're, we're good enough here and, and we're going to keep growing and growing and, and get better and better. As so the next major competition, we will be a real force. So yeah, that, that kind of really started on that January 2016 and, and went into that Hawks Bay tournament just before Rio and and then continued obviously then for the next few years. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a terrific period for, for both of you. I mean, um, I, I, do, you, do you guys miss each other? <laughs> Graham, do you I miss think, me? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Anna would miss me. Um, all, all, yeah, I mean... I mean, if I'm being really honest, uh, like I fell in love with that Irish team. Yeah, I fell in love with them big time. And when when you have to depart, it's like a, it's like a twenty two breakups in in one go. It's no good. Uh, not a good feeling, and um, and it takes a long time to to genuinely move on. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I, I fell in love with that team, and and we had a, a lot of ups and downs, like a lot of ups and downs, and we had some really really great times and some great memories but we had really some really difficult times as well and and i think that that was what probably carried us when we when we did come together for the first time playing in a major competition together in in that world cup we were there to enjoy it we were there to to leave absolutely everything on the field and you know the girls just did a, such a fantastic job and in, in how they carried themselves all the way through that tournament and how they dealt with the pressure and um you know we're obviously still still disappointed about the final but yeah, we maybe ignore that and uh, and 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 remember the good times and um, yeah. So now it was it. It was an amazing time in our lives and and something that I'll I'll treasure and and, and remember for the rest of my life. Yeah. It would make it quite difficult if you guys met each other in the uh, in the crossover stages at the Olympics, right? Yeah, that would be certainly an interesting one. I think both coaches would know the other team absolutely inside out and know exactly what we can do. But we'll cross those bridges when we get to it and. And see see what happens. 
Um, Anna, my final question to you, um, you know, you, you've played over 200 games now. You, you scored more goals than anyone else in the history of the Irish women's team. In, when you take into consideration all of the incredible experiences over the last few years, World Cup silver, Olympic qualification, etc. Um, when you when you played your first international match um, 11 years ago now against Scotland, could, could you have imagined that you'd have achieved so much? I think when I... I was very young. I set out to, to play hockey for Ireland and, and that was all I wanted to do, you know, was to to play for Ireland. But I think then once I came into the set, set up and, and I knew that an Olympics was was possible with this group at, at some point over over my career, you know, that was just what my focus was. And, and I think, you know, getting your first cap for Ireland, you don't necessarily see what's coming down the line. But I think for me, from day one, it was just about competing at Olympic Games. And, and yeah, I mightn't have necessarily seen all the ups and downs, but, but I wanted to go to major tournaments and, and compete. And I wanted to, to put, you know, my best foot forward. And, and I also wanted to help drive the team forward and, and you know, be the best player that I could be and, and be a real threat in, in world hockey. So, so, yeah, I can't say that I would have seen everything that's happened, but... But it's something, you know, you, you strive for a, a, as a player and you don't just say, oh, I want to play hockey for Ireland. You know, maybe that was my dream when I was seven. But the minute I, I got into that setup, it was I want to compete at the major tournaments. I want to play in those finals. I, you know, I want to win World Cup Olympic medals and, and I want to do it with the group that, that I'm with right now and, and, and all my good friends. So, so yeah, like it's it's been certainly a period of ups and downs, but but I think... For me, it's just about striving forward and, and pushing myself to the best, to, to be the best that I can. Yeah, I think uh, also I'll jump in if you don't mind. I mean, I've known Anna for quite a long time and, you know, what you have is an incredibly driven person, both on and off the field. And, um, you know, when you talk about work ethic, you talk about people turning up and really putting it in, putting in the shift every single time they train, whether it's in the gym or whether it's on the hockey field or whether it's a running session. Or, or just contributing to a, a video session is you, you got somebody who's going to give it 100% every single time. And I think what Anna's done in her career, um, to be honest, hasn't really surprised me. Um, I think, um, you know, from a very young age, you could see somebody that was going to was going to push hard and, and, and do whatever it takes to, to get to the very, very highest level. So that's fantastic. And, and it's lovely to hear the mutual respect between you both. Um, Anna, have you got any sort of, you know, words of praise for Graham as coach? <laughs> Oh good. Yeah, absolutely. I think um I was thinking when Graham was talking there about New Zealand and, and them not playing many games and you know how it, it would be negative for some teams, but I think you know Graham's skill is is seeing a game and being able to change a game in the moment and being able to change tactics in the moment and come up with the, that winning way. So I was thinking in my head, you know, it actually won't really have uh, been a big detriment to New Zealand that they haven't played a game because Graham will be able to be able to go into that game and and just come up with the best plan and and he'll have you know he'll be able to change things as they go and 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 it won't have mattered if they played in two weeks ago or 16, 16 months ago you know he'll be able to do that and it's such a strength of his and and I think what what's also great is, is he's so passionate about the game and and I think. Um, you know that was always interesting with with the two of us who were both extremely uh, passionate driven people and, <laughs> and um, you know sometimes uh, go really really well or or sometimes you can 
there's been times when we've both been laughing or both been crying. So, um, uh, you know, I, 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 th- I really admire his, his passion and, and uh, yeah, love for the sport, but also love, you know, for, for the team that he wants to improve. And, and I think that New Zealand will go from strength to strength having him as a coach. And Brilliant. Except when you meet him in the crossovers at the Olympics, <laughs> then all that goes out of the window. <laughs> yeah, then, then you'll see a fire be fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I've got, just got one last point to bring up with you both really before we, before we bring things to a, to a close. Um, you'll have seen recently in the news on the FIH website and on Watch Hockey um, about the increased um, interest and excitement around the, the Hockey Fives and the fact there's going to be um, a tournament um, taking place in Lausanne uh, with, uh, with five men's and five women's nations. I just wanted to very quickly get your thoughts on Hockey Fives um, as a format of the game um, and the sort of the advantages that you, you feel it brings, particularly to nations for whom perhaps um, full-scale hockey at the moment isn't always a possibility. Come to you first, Anna, just on your thoughts on, uh, you know, the, the, the Hockey Fives version of, uh, version of the game. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting format uh, and, you know, something I, I don't know how it'll go and it's good, obviously, you know, as a complement to to the eleven side game, and something that can work alongside it, or or help to to develop the eleven side game. I think. I think we need to wait and see how it goes, and and yeah, if it complements the eleven side game, and and you know, you can use it in that in that respect, then then great. But um, yeah, we'll need to see how it goes. Yeah, sure. And and for you, Graham, I mean, in in your part of the world in Oceania, uh, you've got nations such as Vanuatu and uh, Papua New Guinea. Where hockey fives is likely to read well, I mean, it already is 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 strong there, and it's it's likely to take off even more. It, it, it what are your thoughts on the opportunities it gives to players in those sorts of uh, in in those countries and those regions of the world? Well, I think I think any kind of introduction of a you know a new format or so on that's going to bring more people into our sport, um, and particularly in, in countries maybe that are not in the as a privileged position to be able to create eleven aside and so on uh, is welcome. So I think. We're a, we're a sport, a very family-orientated sport that, that welcome new people in uh, with open arms. So if it's going to get more people in playing the sports, and, and particularly in those in, in those countries that you're referring to, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, I quite enjoy five-a-side in, in training, in training games and so on. But um, I suppose what the, the concern is for us, anyone involved in 11-a-side, is, is that we don't want to be replaced. And I think that's obviously where the concern lies. And and for me, selfishly as a coach, it just takes away a bit of a, the tactical element, I suppose, of the game and and something I quite enjoy. So that's where I suppose where you're going to get a bit of, a bit of resistance. But for me, if it if it's going to encourage people into the sport and if that's a starting a starting um, point for them, well then, I, yeah, I think we'll we'll all we'll all welcome people into our sport with open arms there. But um, yeah. what, what I don't want to see it is replacing our format of 11 aside because we've so much history and so much tradition and and i think when it's played at the at the real highest level it's it, it's an outstanding sport to watch and that's the bit i suppose that is always makes us a little bit nervous uh you know working in the 11 aside yeah i mean the thing is it's going to be a great great exhibition of the game showing people how exciting how fast hockey can be but as you say it's it's a compliment it's a it's a it's another strand to the sport um and the two can exist perfectly happily side by side which is which is great you know the more visibility the better um rich i think we can uh, start to wrap things up now yeah sure we, we first thing we need to do is go to anna about the question uh when was the last time ireland met new zealand in an internationally recognized competition and for a bonus what was the score so in an internationally recognised competition, it was in 2006 uh, in the Olympic qualifier and they met in the pool stages 
at first and it was nil all. But then in the knockout phases, New Zealand beat Ireland 2-1. Uh-huh. Right, brilliant. But you have pl- you've played them more recently in, in friendlies, right? Yeah. So um, we played New Zealand in Dublin in 2014. And I I can't remember the score. New Zealand definitely won. I, I, I'm very confident about that. We also played New Zealand, I think, in Hawke's Bay, Graham, did we, when we went down to Hawke's Bay in 2016? Um, And that was certainly more pleasant scoreline, so I can talk about that a bit better. 3-1 in in 2016, we played them down here in Hawke's Bay, where took a 1-0 lead with Nick Evans and our reverse, if I remember correctly, and then then they they came back and and won the game 3-1. The game in uh, the Dublin was just before the the Glasgow Commonwealth Games, and we actually played them twice. Played them in a in a kind of a group little, little tournament format. And first game was competitive, kind of. Uh, second game yeah, it was a pretty poor scoreline, if I remember correctly. I think it might have been six seven nil. It was all a part of our building process uh, over those years, I suppose. <laughs> <It's a> journey. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, well, thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, and I'll just wrap it up with. Um, some information about how you can keep keep track of it, all the, all the hockey news. You can go to the FIH website, fih.ch, um, Facebook, FI Hockey, Instagram, FI Hockey, and Twitter, F, at FIH underscore hockey. Uh, don't forget to download the watch.hockey app where you can find uh, lots of uh, lots of videos and interviews thank you so much everybody it's been an absolute pleasure chatting away to you all um a lovely irish connection today lots of like feel the, the love over the airways between us all so thanks very much indeed for taking part in episode seven of the hockey pod and great luck to both of you anna and graham in your in your journey towards uh, towards tokyo thanks so much for having us thanks sarah thanks richard thanks. cheers thank you